uh, during that time frame. Does Jesus care? You know, when I'm going through all my pains and my struggles, uh, one of the things that we find with that particular song is that when the Gaithers sing it, they, they sing it, it takes about several minutes for them to get through it. And uh, they talk about the different people amongst their group. That goes through the difficulties that they're facing. One lady lost a baby, another man lost his wife, another one lost their father. And, you know, the question comes up, even in their circle, well, does Jesus care that I'm going through this? And yet, how many of us have heard messages when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus? And they, they, I've heard messages, you know, where, and it said Jesus wept, and then someone tries to explain the weeping of Jesus. Oh, he was grieved because nobody believed in him. He was this. I went, no, he knew that people weren't going to believe in him. I really think that he showed humanity. I think he showed how he felt at that moment of grief. And so even though he knew that he would resurrect Lazarus from the dead, he still was able to show the emotion and he wept. And then can you imagine as he, he pulled himself up and he goes, Whoa! Mary and Martha, we, he stinketh by now. Didn't I tell you, you're going to see a great happening today. The resurrection of your brother. Not in the future, but right now. Isn't that amazing? Something to think about. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Uh, this morning, as I was preaching on the message, I, I started, I finished up chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 6, in which we uh, spoke on the uh, church at Sardis. And then we started the uh, church at Laodicea. And I was hoping that we would finish there, but uh, time didn't permit it. But I, I really became impressed with preaching on the Philadelphian church. And let's read this one together. Let's go down to verse 7. And we're going to read verse 7 down to verse 13 about the church and the letter to the Philadelphia church. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that he that man shutteth, shutteth and no man openeth, man an appetite. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little Behold, I
to the churches. Let us pray. Father, I do ask your forgiveness for the mistakes that I make in reading, but I pray, Father, that the text of what we read is important and that we would take and listen to what is written. I know, Father, that as I read your word, there's many times that I, I just write things down and I don't think completely about what I'm writing. But as I get older, I want the message to be richer and to be sweeter. And many times, Lord, I might rewrite a sentence because it makes more sense to give you the honor and the glory than to recognize the things that I have to say or the things that I think. Lord, it, it would do us good to give honor to the Father, to give honor to the Son, and knowing that the honor of the Holy Spirit will be the honor of lifting up the Son, who also has lifted up the Father. Lord, there are so many things we don't understand. But there are those things that are written from your word that needs to be lifted up high and holy. And let us, Father, know the righteousness, the holiness, the goodness that only you can supply. So bless us now and help us to understand the things that are written. Guide and bless in the preaching of this hour in Jesus' name. And amen. I've entitled this A Time of Love, A Time of Strength, and A Time to Overcome. And as I entitled this this morning, I, I was thinking about these things. And, you know, being, uh, I went down this past weekend. I left Friday night after work and I went down to Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, and Corbin is famous for one thing, and that is, that was the original place of Colin Holland Sanders in the, in the Sanders Motor Court. And they've done a wonderful job with the old restaurant down there. If you ever get a chance, go down and see it. It's pretty amazing, uh, you know, to be able to take a look at the old uh, uh, place that he, he would uh, show for everyone to enjoy. And they've made it sort of a historical icon. But the reality is, is that I went down to Corbin to witness a, a wedding between a, a good friend of mine named John Orlowski and his new wife named Tamara, and I pray for their, their blessing, and I pray that the Lord will just continue to guide and watch over them. And it was while I was waiting on the wedding that, that this thought really began to come upon me. And as I was reading this passage of scripture in regards to the Philadelphian church, I began to think of this, what does it mean to overcome? And it's one thing to be able to tell people, I, you, you should overcome the world. But what does that mean? We, we hear, and, and again, it's a Christian statement. What does it mean to really know the overcoming power that alone is in Jesus Christ? And it's a bit eye-opening. You know, we need to begin to think about how much time that we have left upon this earth, whether it's a long period of time or a short period of time, that we really enjoy the things of our God. Now, I want you to see this with me today as we get started. And I entitled the first part, A Time of Love. Now, reality is, the name Philadelphia means city of brotherly love. We have our own Philadelphia. And I got to thinking about that a little bit, is, uh, you know, why was Philadelphia called what it was called? For those of you that don't know American history, and even the early colonial history, there was a man by the name of William Penn that was being persecuted in England. And so the pacifist Quakers, if you will, began to have this desire to find a place where they could worship without offense. And I've known a few Quakers in my life. In fact, uh, one of the Quakers that I met was uh, part of the family you know, that I married into. Uh, 
And the idea is, is that we don't want to be offensive. We just want to worship God. And really, there's no excitement, no zeal, or anything in their messages. They basically are, are wanting to be passive. I'm your friend. I don't want to offend you. I'm, I'm your friend. We're not going to be offended, are we? And yet, the most offensive book on the earth is the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus did not come to this earth to bring pacifism. He did not come to this earth to make everybody happy. And literally, he came to this earth and brought a sword, the sword of his word. And so, this idea of brotherly love worked for a little while. So the city of brotherly love was one to where, you know, the people came in and they enjoyed each other. They were singing kumbaya all the time. They just enjoyed themselves no matter what happened. But do you realize that after a while, Philadelphia was singled out for its strong, rebellious nature. It was in Philadelphia that George Whitfield had great revival. Now this was after many years after uh, we find that there was the uh, settlement of the, the Philadelphia city. People began to come in and they didn't bring the Quaker idea with them. They came into this America with more... And so the idea it's in a, a place where it had been in the tire uh, in the tower and received a crack, and uh, so they now have it on display in an, another little area outside in the courtyard. But the reality is, no matter how you look at it, it is not the same exact place. It's not the same exact thing. And so the Philadelphia people, though it was brotherly love, soon were no longer brotherly in love. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Do we love each other? Now that's a that's pretty, pretty hard thing to answer. For us to understand love, we have to have a good, strong definition of love. In the Bible, we have agape love, which is a sort of a universal love. There is the amorous love, to where a man would reflect to a woman, I love you. But the brotherly love is one to where even Paul said, greet one another with a holy kiss. In other words, don't be afraid of the embrace. Yesterday, as I went down to the wedding, I had never met Tamara before, but she had heard so much about me that when I walked in the door, she just put a big old bear hug on me and didn't want to let me go. She said, I really am so thankful that you came down. She showed me brotherly love. Reality is, John said, I knew you wouldn't let me down. There again was the example of brotherly love. But notice what we say in this verse, beginning in verse 7, how the Lord... Verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, let's stop right there. That means brotherly love Have you ever been around a Christian person and don't shake your head up and down and don't point your finger? Have you ever been around someone who calls himself a Christian but they annoy you? Well, do you realize the Lord loved them enough to save them? 
So if the Lord loved them enough to save them, then holiness needs to come into place. He that is true. Do you realize that if we're really going to be a holy <laughs> Go up to someone and say, you got a zit in the middle of your forehead and it's really offending me. That, that, that's going overboard with truth. But you know, the reality is, is that he that holds the truth means that it's not a matter of offense. If I established us as a congregation would so suddenly close its door after having a membership of 1,500 back in the 1930s. How quickly the message can shut down and the work of the people falter. So if we are going to remain open, our So notice again, if we are to have a real love, these things have to be present. So I can go back in and, and, and refer to the history. I can do so many things. But the reality is, if I'm going to be a brotherly loving person, not the pagan loving person, then I need to have a constant love that I know. Look at verse 8. I know they work. Do you realize that God has set before Grace Missionary Baptist Church an open door? There are so many people that I come in contact with every day, and the first question they ask after they get to know me is, what church do you pastor? Now, I've been thinking about how to take advantage of that request, and one of those is having a little door knocker. I want people to know who we are. I want them to know a little bit about our message. I mean, there's people that they'll say, oh. But they've already beat me to the punch, so what's the use, right? I could also turn around and say, well, you mean you only have conventional services? Yeah, I can get up and I ran away and preach. That's conventional. I don't try to make you, I'm, I am, I'm not someone that's got a circling globe behind me and I just want you all to be good and go out there and just do whatever you want. No, I don't want you to know that. I want to preach the word of God in its fullness and its truth. That's love. But if I stop at any moment doing what God wants for me to do, he already knows it. And he will quickly close the doors. We don't need that. Notice again what it says, that I know thy works. Behold, I have set with thee an open door. We have an open door. 
meaning that people can still come in. You say, well, Brother Prater, I'm feeling so old. Then we better get busy right now. I, I've heard what people have had to say. And maybe we have tried to force the issue instead of praying about certain issues when it comes to the good of a church. And notice this thing. Thou, you know, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. I want to refer back to what was being said to this church. And stop it. Back to verse 2. Be watchful of things that remain. Do you realize, and we've talked about this in Sardis, that at the time, because there was so much compromise that entered in, that there was a weakness in the Sardis church. We a lot of times like to think, well, we have the truth. And if I have the truth, then I know it's right. Now, wait a minute, let's, let's talk about this a minute. Is it right to have a cold heart attitude? Is it right to not be fervent in our preaching? Is it right not to want to go out and tell others of Christ? And you know, the thing is, when a young preacher comes in behind an older preacher that has had a hard shell attitude, that church is So from the verse 8 again. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. Do we have a little strength? What is the strength of Grace Missionary Baptist Church? This is a loving statement to the Lord. Can you imagine, man, I'm going to get a little carnal here, so you might as well get ready for it. And you look at your wife and say, you know why I love you? you have a little strength. Now, Brenda's looked at me like, she just gave this face like, it's already been said to me by, by Randy with that statement. I, I don't know. But the reality is, is that we show love to our mates because we have a little strength. Do you? I'm going to share something with you, man. Do you realize your wife does not want to know your inabilities? That drives fears. A woman wants to know security. She wants to know she's loved. She wants to know she's cared for. She wants to know all of these particulars. And I say this because the Lord loves the Philadelphia church. And he says, I know you have a little strength. I want it to grow. And so because of that, here's the reason that you have a little strength. You have kept my word and has not denied my name. Wow. You've kept my word. You know, I look at this book, and you know what? This can be an overwhelming book. How is it that the Lord was able to instill in those men that walked with him in three and a half years every little detail and starting with preaching the word of God, seeing souls saved, baptizing the believers, 
began teaching them. And it didn't even come to fruition. It didn't even come to a reality to them until after the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. That's when the realization occurred. There was Side. I'm Stop believing Thomas. Here, fill the in me. And what did he turn around and say, My Lord and my God? And he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. You know, that is the example of our faith. I miss, and I, I remember this as a boy growing up. I watched as my mom and dad, sometimes they would sit down with a cup of coffee in the morning and they would just talk about the Word of God. And many times, because I got up early, I would interrupt their discussion in the morning. I, I used to hate dinner time, because dinner time was probably Bible discussion time. And a lot of times our Bible discussions got a little bit heated. But the reality is, is it was truth. And nothing showed a greater love that my dad had for his family in the fact that he would say, I want you to know the truth. Jesus said, I know the truth. But watch out. Jesus did not pluck up the people, but left them right where they're at. Look at verse 9. Behold, I will make them... this thought am I serving God because my dad serves God I ask a preacher friend of mine am I only serving God because my dad serves God and I love what he had to say he said when your dad passes away will you continue to serve God I continue to serve God I am the least of all the, of all the preacher brethren. I'm the least of the apostles, was what Paul would say. I am the chiefest of sinners. I know that is of me, but hallelujah, I have Jesus as my Savior. And he looked. The Laodicean church, he said, to those that I love, I rebuke and chasten. It doesn't mean the Lord walks around with a switch in his hands and just get out of line, boy. Just get out of line. It's not like that. The conviction that I have when I've done wrong, it's enough. The second part of this, and I, I, I want to hurry with our time, 
is called a time of strength. If you will, let's go to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty, and I want to show you something that is pretty amazing to me. In Second Chronicles, chapter twenty, we find Jehoshaphat, a man of God who has been told that uh, the, a battle is on its way, and he would actually die as a believer in Christ. Well, I want you to go down to verse twenty or verse eighteen. And I want you to see the context. And this is Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse eighteen. And Je- Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah, just the Judeans, why? Because the northern tribes of Israel have already fallen, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. righteous. If there's a scripture that's on somebody's verse, let them But let there be a contrite heart. It's hard that we would believe a marriage where the two are squabbling all the time. It's hard to believe that there would be a marriage that we would agree to if there's not love between them. The love between Jerusalem and Judea particularly. And the Lord was present. Look at what else we have. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites. And the children of the Kohathites. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Kotah. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and hear, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord. There's the little point. You've sinned, you've committed sin, you've called singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say praise the Lord praise ye the mighty the king of creation isn't that a great word that's praise for his mercy endureth forever there's a, there is a proper Christmas song that uh, Handel made, and it's called the Hallelujah Chorus. Anyone ever heard it? I have... But we 
derail an entire choir. But can you imagine the joy that these people had when they sang, His mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 22. And when they began to sing and, and to pray, Imagine the glory of God to where musicians would sing and the enemy was put to death because they could not make out the truth. That's actual scripture. That's strength. Did you ever... And if you've never read that before, you've read it now. Not only that, look what it says in verse 24. And when Judah came toward the watchtower and the wilderness, they looked upon the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies, fallen to the earth, and none escaped. A battle won by singers. Makes me wonder when all of God's singers get home. When we talk about a little strength, do you realize that in the Philadelphia time, and I use this in the, in the escapades or when I'm studying the book of Revelation. It is so wonderful because you had men like P.P. P. Bliss, Ira D. Sankey. I, I told the story about Ira D. Sankey, how that he had fought during the Civil War. And that on, as he was traveling up the Hudson, there was the moon behind him on a Christmas Eve. And the captain of the ship asked Ira D. Sankey to sing a song. And he was searching his mind for the proper Christmas song to sing. But instead, there was another song that was lifted. And as he sang that song, finally at the very end, a stately old southern gentleman came up to him and asked him if he had pulled guard duty on a particular night when there was a full moon behind him. And he said, I was. He said, I was on the other side of the river, and I had you in my sights. And I was ready to shoot you down, and you began to sing. Did you ever think a little strength can save your life? P.P. Bliss, matter of fact, there was one song. D.L. Moody had finished preaching on the 90 and 9 and how the Lord would go into the wilderness and find the one that was lost. And Ira D. Sankey, that, that same day, had been given a poem called The Ninety and Nine. And as he sat at the organ, he began to play. There were ninety and nine that safely laid in the shelter of the fold. True story. Music in its right tone will not only praise God, but it will cause others to want to know Jesus as their Savior. That's a little strength. The final part of the message that I have today is called overcoming. I know what the Lord said to the people. He said in verse 12, Him that overcomes will I make a pillar of my God. 
in verse 5, notice it says to the church of Sardis, He that overcometh, he the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Do you realize a, a true marble pillar is very white? We have fake pillars that are in the front of our church building. They have a white surrounding representing the, the columns of marble that used to uh, adore many buildings back during the days of, of the Greeks and the Romans and such. And the reality is, is that when you take a look at those beautiful columns, they show a sign of strength. And the Lord is telling the people, I have already overcome. And in fact, if you go to John chapter 16, let's just take a look at that. I want you to see, we do not overcome on our own, but because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 16, let's go 